When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Guess who's back? Back again. <laughs> Welcome, Vulture. Vulture Ash. Vulture Go. Motherfucker Lore. Season 2. Season of the. Woo! I'm Dark Shape. Did you miss me? Because I missed y'all. Sorry. I, I missed y'all so much, my beloved listeners. Both of you. We missed you as well. In fairness, it wasn't the same. We ran riot without you. Um, mm. So we're very glad to have you back at the reins, taking care of us. Well, thanks very much. Welcome I, back, Dad. You know, podcast Dad leaves for a few weeks to, you know, um, do Dad stuff. And next thing you know, they're reading out pornography. Yeah, we got a bit wild and then they had to they had to cancel us for a while. But we're back, guys! <laughs> yes, now that the uh, the moral majority have, have, have loosened their grip and Motherfucker is back on air after that scandalous episode, we are delighted we're going to be talking about a lot of big topics. An awful lot has happened since I've been gone. Yeah, um, the I think the technical term for it is actually that the shit hit the fan. Um, and that's what's happened in the Irish language world. No, it hasn't. Irish language has been in the news, which is unusual for it. It's been in the English-speaking news, which is even more unusual. Um, there's been a lot of talk about fathers, um, and that's been great. That's been really fun. I've uh, been really enjoying being on the receiving end of uh, people complaining about fathers, which is great. Thanks, guys. Please keep on sending me emails. Um, don't. Um, yeah, so it's been a really tumultuous time. You had your big debut writing for the journal while I was gosh. Yeah, I did. And what they say is true. Don't read the comment section. <laughs> I did. And it was lovely to get that opportunity and people were very nice. Um, but also, people need to chill out about fathers. Like, maybe myself included, I did write like 800 words for the journal <laughs> about fathers. But because they asked me to and it was in the news. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, learn to boil an egg. Fathers aren't that difficult to do. <laughs> <laughs> that poor egg man poor god love me poor. never know the joy of a good googie egg and soldiers huh <laughs> and also since we've gone our dear colleague Padre O'Kivonig has stood for election he will be back on the show but um, we won't we won't allow him to ply his political wares yeah, on this wonderful he's show been, he's been undermining all of us all along he's been trying to sell his get his name out there using the show no he hasn't I'm very very proud of him we're very excited for him um, I'm hoping to go out to Clondalkin to try and get a selfie with one of his posters for the laugh because <laughs> like, <laughs> I saw that he put up his posters recently so we're all very excited for, for Pather and we wish him well so Patter is running for Dublin City Council in the Clondalkin borough. And you know what? Um, I don't know what the other candidates are like, but... But they're not on the show, so... They're not on the show, so <laughs> they're not motherfucker standard. Yeah, they, they don't have the motherfucker stamp of approval. So um, I'm sure they're sound, but again, as I said, they're not on the show, so... Not on the show. 
So there's been a lot going on in 2019. It's been a mad year. Things are happening at a, a rapid pace. And even by the time this episode goes out, who knows how much things will have changed. One of the things is obviously Brexit continuing because Brexit affects one of the one of the two political jurisdictions where our Irish is spoken. It's something we're constantly aware of. And um, earlier on this year, I did speak to Naomi O'Leary, who presents the wonderful Irish Passport podcast. We're talking about what 2019 might hold in terms of how, how rapidly certain political events can change. In particular, we were looking at how the Eighth Amendment, how quickly it went from this, is, this isn't going to happen, there's no political will to make this change. And how within a year of that, we went to actually having the referendum passed by a substantial majority mm-hmm. and legislation being passed. And then we were thinking about another elephant in the room politically uh, and how that might, how Brexit might bring that to the fore. So I'm just going to go to the clip now. Bear in mind now this was recorded a few months ago and how much has changed since then. studio after about a year or maybe a little more it's Naomi O'Leary hi everybody yeah Naomi O'Leary here hey Um, hi you might know me from the Irish Passport podcast if you don't then check it out Irish Passport I'm quite happy to plug it it is a wonderful um, it is a wonderful podcast all about high level looks into topics that affect Ireland thank you very much Derek and we are going to look at one particular topic today Um, near the end of the 2018 the legislation's Subsequent to the Eighth Amendment referendum, what the legislation is the oh regulation of the termination of pregnancies That's bill. That's it. Yeah, I see. the regulation of the termination of pregnancies bill passed, and it was marked online and offline that this happened within a year of the Taoiseach not actually wanting a referendum at all. And in that, within those twelve months, a lot happened. There was a citizens' convention. There was a referendum. There was there was the post-referendum discussion on the legislation itself, very and various court challenges, and then it was yeah. passed into law. And the idea of there being um, access to abortion services, irrespective of the situation up to 12 weeks, that was considered an untouchable sort of an impossible view. Mm. And suddenly it's law. And that happened within the space of 365 days. This is the um, thing that, that sometimes the world can change very quickly, even on issues that are seen as untouchable or immovable. And sometimes, often this can happen. This this can be as they, as um, Shirley MacLaine used to say, was it about be after twelve years becoming an overnight success? Mm-hmm. And that some some people would say, well, it took a very long time to actually get to the point where things could happen quickly. Mm-hmm. But sometimes yes. those factors might already be in place. And one other big untouchable factor that may or may not come into play, um, Brexit is possibly only a few months away, depending yep. on how things go over there. Yep. And one issue that it started with a whisper and has been going to be getting louder and louder and people are actually talking more is could a United Ireland actually happen? Yeah, exactly. Could a United Ireland actually happen? And it's been completely transformed, as you say, um, since it's... St- I was reporting up and around the border prior to the actual referendum, the Brexit referendum, and already at that point, the sort of the most bog standard vanilla view, you know, from any person on the street was that a United Ireland would was would come back into play and was coming back into play. Um, and that was prior to the vote ever happening. Um, so, um, yeah, it's been a long time coming, although it has it has taken people a little bit of time to to notice that change beginning to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and it's a lot. I mean, there's been, I suppose, in the in the past ten or so years, there's um, and particularly in the in the twenty first century, when people look back, and we're getting close to being quarter way into this particular century. It's mm-hmm. Shocking to think, and people are actually beginning to look back and think, well, these those certain events shaped it. People think about Ireland and Britain and the the United Kingdom and those parts of the world that speak English very differently than they did in the late 20th and early 21st century during the, I suppose, the Bush Blair years, there was this, the concept of, this, of the Anglosphere being the 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 place where everything good in human civilization had come from was widely held by people who only speak English. Thank God we moved on <laughs> from that. <laughs> and Jeez. yes, and now I think maybe that people don't, I mean, I think you'd like to think that less people accept that reflexively or maybe people mm-hmm. who, who thought that realized that maybe they were wrong. Mm-hmm. That there was the there was in America there was a huge after nine eleven there was a huge cult of Winston Churchill, people re- revisiting and idolizing this man who mm-hmm. uh, was I mean, who was on the right side of World War Two but maybe was not a perfect human being. Yeah, very uh, checkered record altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the the power of the myth that was he had a very active role in in writing. He wrote you know a lot uh, of his own biographies, and he. Was, took a very active role in creating that myth about himself, um, and it's a very powerful one because I've um, I've spoken to people of that that era who were alive, hearing Winston Churchill's voice coming over the radio at a time when Britain stood alone and um, you know France had fallen, and he gave defiant speeches, and that that moment and him sort of stubbornly speaking for Britain that that's something that has really endured but we ha- he had as a completely checkered history as, as you point out and particularly in relation to the island of Ireland yeah. and and our friends in India as well true yeah shouldn't be overlooked and the, one of the things I think that people historians will look back at the earth at the first quarter of the 21st century and say why were they so into the royal family and so many films and tv shows about the royal family how wonderful they are and I was thinking that it's a bit like the Trinity Shannon's um, constituency in that the people know it's a bad idea, but the fact that it keeps producing very good politicians <laughs> kind of makes people think, well, yes, I'll, I'll allow it for now as long as you keep giving us David Norris, Lynn Ryan, um, and Mary Robinson <laughs> and so forth. Yeah. But I think because people like Queen Elizabeth II, they think, well, maybe the monarchy is okay. That may mm-hmm. not be the case. Yeah, very in... good point. Yeah, with Charles. Yes. Um, Australia, for example, very ambivalent about, you know, kind of Elizabeth gets a pass, but the son, you know, he isn't as well liked. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's a big challenge. Also, he has a totally different approach to things. You know, he's a meddling one. He's meddles. He meddles yes. with his pet projects about whatever he, is on his mind, you know, to do with architecture or farming practices or like some of which he knows about, some of which he doesn't know about. But he does see it as the right of the sovereign to to sort of meddle and be a, a someone who who tries to influence it's been suggested that he withholds knighthoods from people who uh, get in his way. Is that right? So <laughs> it's been suggested, but this all comes to the idea that um, before Brexit, that that maybe, um, and we think a couple of years shortly before Brexit, the Queen of England visited mm-hmm. Ireland. Uchtdran August Charja was this wonderful moment, and people. Are, she also said, "This is my favorite quote." I like those clinky glasses. <laughs> Did you hear it? <laughs> I did not, but that's wonderful. Yeah. And I think there was moments when people felt that, you know, this was, that all that stuff was over and we're going to be, we're great pals now. Things, mm-hmm. things were going very well. Um, and people felt that, you know, what could possibly wreck this wonderful practical friendship? What we, could possibly happen? 
And it all seemed, you know, um, it all seemed, you know, pretty good. People, it was one of those feel good moments after the bailout and banking crash. People thought, you know what, maybe, you know, things aren't going to be so bad after all. Yeah. And with a few short years, then we are in this Brexit situation where suddenly um, British politicians have made comments about Ireland that, you know, I mean, that just seemed alarming. They're not even... That, like they're not even wrong they're so off with the actual kind of level of detail yeah they're offensive and they've taken back anglo-irish relations 30 years or more um to the really bad times you know mm-hmm. um so yeah it has for all the plaw moss you know and the kind of um the positivity of that apparent visit of of Queen Elizabeth, it does seem that under the surface there were these unresolved issues that uh, brexit has sort of you know, provoked to the surface, you know, and a lot of assumptions about Ireland, including, uh, you know, unfortunately, Britain has been found out in a lot of ways. Um, They've been found out for having a really weak uh, political class that doesn't know what it's doing and is completely irresponsible. So whatever system they have for, you know, getting the people in power in power is working badly Mm. for them. Um, But they've also been found out um, with their... ignorance about Ireland so the, it just, there's just a very prevalent sort of assumption that it is somehow within the ambit of the UK um, you know somehow it's not quite a foreign country you know mm. um, and so that's just been demonstrated at pass after pass with, with every kind of uh, question that Brexit brings up whether it's to do with sort of customs <laughs> like mm. where do you put the customs yeah. or you know um, or the assumption about what Ireland should do like that was just it's very very widely assumed um, until quite recently and still among some people that Ireland would just you know leave the EU as well because because Britain had voted to do so this has been the the funny thing and yeah. the this idea that you know well of course Ireland should and this there's been there's been a real kind of stop trying to make IR exit happen that this every now and then people who maybe anyone who's worked in radio knows sometimes a guest cancels and you need to whip up a debate out of nothing at the last minute. <laughs> and this whole idea of Ireland leaving the European Union has just, I mean, there's no appetite for it, but you do seem to get sometimes in British articles about Ireland, this this kind of final kind of paragraph, oh, and the word in everyone's lips is an Irish Brexit or an Irish yeah. Exit. And I think they've stopped doing that now. They mm. were doing that for a little while because there's this retired diplomat guy who's like Mr. Irish Exit who, you know, shopped his opinions mm. around. But part, part of the reason for that is just because there's a market for it. So in, in the UK, there are uh, pro-Brexit think tanks and pro-Brexit money that will pay people for those kind of views and yeah. air them and publicize them and and so on. So you can, you know, there are, there are jobs in it basically. There's a career that can be pursued. Whereas someone saying there's no public support, there's vanishingly small public support for leaving the EU in Ireland. Um, that doesn't necessarily get the same rewards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even though it's true. All right, people, welcome to the Pints of Malt podcast. It's just a podcast brought to you by four black Irish lads where we share our stories and experiences with you. I was the only black guy in the class. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he was the only other foreign guy. Yeah. So it was obviously like, they're looking at us like the two toughest guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing of my secondary school yeah. was how much they remixed this guy's name. Oh, boy, they've made it. Yeah, from Bola. My name is Bola, yeah, right? Right. They've made a bowl of ham. <laughs> well, it Bob. went Bob Lahan. And then there was Bob Lahan. Bubbles. <laughs> like, what? And there was Bubbles. Bam. 
Because man's talking all this talk. Can you Yo, swim? Listen. Man can't swim. What man's missing his nebula bone as well, bro. <laughs> 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 do, you know, do you know when you when your teachers say, oh, call you by first name? Yeah, yeah. It's in our veins. I'm sorry, man. I had like three years of just on top. <laughs> no one challenged me. Every party, everyone knew Femi's going to do. Are we low local? Bad? <laughs> My dad is as Femi said, we're the Pints of Malt podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Music and Spotify to stay updated on our latest episodes. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. The context of Brexit is effectively is the very thing. The fact that United Ireland has been talked about the ideas. And mm-hmm. like this comes down to people who would typically have been very happy with their, in, in Northern Ireland, who are very happy with their British identity and very happy to be part of the United Kingdom economy. And very happy with the, I guess the with the with the package of taxes and versus benefits, mm-hmm. and so forth that they get for for being a, a part of the United Kingdom while living on the island of Ireland, that they are questioning this in the context of the uncertainties around Brexit, and they are looking at, they are comparing that to the possibilities of being with in staying in the European Union, in a democracy. Well, um. The key constituency, I think, that we need to talk about is the people who are in the middle, Yes. Um, which is a, a growing group in Northern Ireland, according to the survey data that we have. So people who do, do not either strongly identify as kind of Irish identifying nationalist or British identifying unionist. There's a whole group of people who are sort of neithers. Um, and according to the survey data that we have, this is the key swing group that is affected on the question of United Ireland, depending on how Brexit works out. Yes. Um, And also the other thing that's happened, the other trend is that a kind of a dormant Irish nationalism in in Northern Ireland, which had sort of accepted the, the status quo, that has been reactivated by the threats that are posed by Brexit to that community, which are very real and very serious and mm. recklessly, thoughtlessly done. We are now in 2019, we are 20... 22 years after Good Friday Agreement. So there are, we have a generation of voters who have no memory of the Troubles. Mm-hmm. Um, when, so it was suggested that the, the Irish for a selfie was fainfic and someone said, no, we should say feinine. It's consistent with the word selfie. And one of the one of the challenges to the view of using feinine instead was that feinine was a young Sinn Féin voter. Right, yeah. Who had no memory of the Troubles. Right. And there's been a lot of alarmed comment on how if you had gone back in time and you had told someone in 1997 that Jerry Adams in 2019 would be seen as this cuddly, avuncular granddad <laughs> figure and Tony Blair would be seen as a war criminal among young people, that people wow. would be stunned and horrified. Yeah, you're you're right. You're absolutely right. Like when Tony Blair appears in public, he can't be sure if someone trying not to make a, a citizen's arrest on him, you know, which has happened in, <laughs> in various restaurants where waiters have accosted mm. him and so on. Uh, whereas Jerry Adams does a walkabout and he's fucking mobbed. But like, I've seen mm. it with my own eyes walking around on um, on Henry Street, you know, and people kind of flock around him. He's a big celeb. And I, part of the reason mm. why um, that's a thing, I think it's, so, it's, it's something to do with the humour of the internet where he's become a sort of an icon mm-hmm. and, and like a kind of an absurd icon at the same yeah. time, you know, with his, his he's got memes, yeah. like rubber ducks, for example. <laughs> people send him hundreds of rubber ducks because they know that he likes them. Now he's come out with this cookbook and everything. Yeah. So yeah, he works somehow in the, mm. in the kind of the Twitter environment with that and, kind of humour. 
Yeah, and yeah. it's 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 a it's a strange I suppose it's a strange thing in that that I suppose I as as someone who grew up when I did and who's who was a when one of my very first votes was on the Good Friday Agreement. Wow, it was it was um my first vote was actually on a bail referendum, but which no one remembers now. But I do remember at the time people saying that if it passes, it was going to be a police state, and, oh, really? and here we are. Yeah. But I do remember that the um the reconciliation between these islands was one of the most was the most important thing. And when I see people kind of eighteen year olds kind of uh, tweeting Brits out, kind of it's people are, have a candor about. Republican views, which mm. they because maybe they feel enough time has passed. This isn't that this isn't necessarily an endorsement of any actual violent activity. That it's just a statement of um, I, like I it would it would be very unusual to see someone my age say Brits out. Dark is interesting, as they say they they it never really went away. because yeah. um, I can remember uh, going to my first discos when I was about fourteen. Yeah, and this would have been. Like in the early 2000s. The Grove, yeah. Where's the West? <laughs> Going to Wesley. And Let's this see. is like, you know, the heart of like South Dublin, like people growing up in the lap of privilege. Not everybody, but, you know, yeah, so. fair, fair contingent. Um, and uh, yeah, people, we th- it was a, a kind of a landmark of the night that every night the fields of that and Rye would be sung, including the controversial shout outs that happened between Versus in not just the free birds fly, but the other shout out. Indeed, yes. the other one. Um, if you're not aware of it, it's uh, you shout IRA at one point. Yeah, yeah. Our love was on the wing. Sinn Fein. Yeah, yeah. That's how it goes IRA. exactly. And then and the next one is IRA. The shot of dreams, yeah. and songs to sing IRA. And so, like the 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 disco would be fucking in full voice, like at this point. So, mm. um, like I was kind of at the time this was just something that happened and I experienced without much critical thought about it but later on I was thinking what was that about you know what are all these sort of South Dublin kids doing kind of having this experience like on Mm. a Friday night you know it's it, it, it was a it's a it's a strange thing that as yeah. you say it, it has always been lurking there and yeah. like like a lot of things that have been the, the turmoil in the world since 2016 has probably led some of the, some people to feel that they don't need to um, sugarcoat some of these um, these views they've always held anymore and yeah. it's happening on both on all sides yeah. which is alarming and this takes us now to obviously the fact that there are some people in Northern Ireland who maybe don't think about politics that much they like maybe playing tennis at the weekends as they, for good se- for God's sake they have a right to absolutely you know? and you know You'd like to think in a well-run country, people don't think about politics that's that much. That's the key, yeah, yeah. That it's actually ideally it should just work silently in the background, like your boiler. Yeah, yeah. And the, the idea that your friend who's very interested in politics is just you know is a kind of a, a tolerable nerd who is who has <laughs> other who has other nice qualities. Yeah. And the idea, yes. Yeah, so maybe you think yes, you're a, you're a teacher, an accountant. You like to play tennis. You want to go to holidays on your holidays to Spain, and yeah. you want to you. You want to propose to your girlfriend or boyfriend, and you make these plans. And and the, and the single most of uh, like important fact about you isn't your ethno cultural affiliation. Yes, and, yeah. and and for some of those people, they thought they've been enjoying being able to do these things in the context yeah. of being British and European. Mm-hmm. And now they're wondering, well, what's going to happen next? Mm-hmm. And not everybody has, is coming from a place as comfortable as that. And there are some people who feel that they come from a neighborhood where they can never get a job. Or maybe that they use a different address on job applications or that they feel that that's the school they went to and then they wonder whose fault is it that I don't have opportunities? And do you think, well, it's the government's fault? Mm-hmm. Is it my fault? Is it another community's fault who are getting slightly more favorable treatment? And those 
I guess mind frames exist in every country mm-hmm. in the world, and the, the the idea that Northern Irish people are unusual for being exposed to these attitudes of that nature mm-hmm. is ridiculous. The fact is that maybe it, there's the history of Northern Ireland has made them more extreme, but there are like deep deep feelings that have have that haven't just come up overnight in Northern Ireland that mm-hmm. have been there for a long, very long time. And some of these their feelings there's mis uh, there's mistrust towards other groups. There's there's other class class issues and economic issues anyway. The same economic issues you have in rural Ireland and rural Britain, in terms of like factories jobs being closed, zero hour contracts, all those things. Sometimes you can blame them on your boss. Sometimes you blame them on the government. Sometimes you blame them on another community who you feel are getting slightly favorable treatment, or more favorable treatment than yours are. And in this context, people think, well, are it is it it's never really going to be just an economic decision to stay in within Brexit Britain or to join United Ireland. Quite right, yeah. It's not. It um and that that was one of the mistakes of actually the Brexit referendum itself was mm. um it assumed that this was only an economic argument, at least the Remain side did. Mm. So they em- emphasized, overemphasized the the damage that would be done it you know, to your wallet. And it's just, you know, that isn't the only thing that matters to people's lives. That's a strange, um, that's a strange conception that doesn't take full account for human nature and the things that are important to us. Um, and it's the, the same is true in Northern Ireland. Now, it's very important. The what, ch- what future can I guarantee my children is an absolutely yeah. key question, but it isn't the only question either. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, particularly when you consider the Scottish independence referendum when, and how, how that was near, how that how close that came to passing and mm-hmm. one of the things that kept the, the Remain side in that, one of the reasons they won and and one of the reasons, first of all, that leaving did so well and it, it's weird to think that people said, oh, we can still have the Queen as the head of state of, of, of a free Scotland. Mm-hmm. And that was, it was weird that some people felt, oh, that was the only thing that was stopping me. <laughs> and That was a fascinating whole thing. I, I, I reported on that from Glasgow, which actually yeah. voted to leave the UK. If yeah. you can believe that. Now, it's a kind of a fight about which is the third largest city of the UK, but some people think it's Glasgow. And it, the, the fact that it would vote to actually leave the UK is really stunning, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like like you say, the court, so sort of like key issues in some ways were sort of arbitrary. Yeah. Like, what about the pound? You know, people sort of just found the pound reliable. Yeah. Not so much since, I might say, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me. God, but it's, it's, and then the weird thing, and then people said, what about Scottish soldiers who sworn on, who sworn they to defend the United Kingdom? Like, like it's going to be heartbreaking for them. I thought, you know, the poor Scottish soldiers, you know, who swore to defend the United Kingdom and, you know, yeah. they're going to be like, will they be Scot- soldiers for Scotland now? I had one of the things some of my English friends were saying to me was like, I believe in self-determination, right? Yeah. I believe in democracy, they would say. But yet at the same time, if Scotland leaves the UK, then we're just going to be condemned to a conservative government forever and Labour will never get into power because they'll miss all of those Scottish votes. Yeah. I'm like, that is your affair. Like, you know, if that's like, (laughs) if you think there aren't enough Labour voters in England, then you need to go out and sort of campaign for them, you know, like Mm -hmm. you can't kind of keep like a hostage population just to kind of shore up the number of Labour MPs in the Parliament. Like, that's nuts. It's the strangest thing, particularly when you see that. I mean, they, they, they know, they know the first past the post system is nuts. Yeah, they like they know that John Major got a bigger vote, a conservative vote than Thatcher ever got, but he lost seats because he was getting these North Korean majorities in the home counties, <laughs> and and he was very popular the warm beer Tories. But then, yeah, I mean, they, and the idea is, oh well, you know, if um, if Scotland leaves, we will be stuck with this very very imperfect democratic system that we can't change for some reason because 
it's yeah it, it's it's yeah. it's an alarming thought but yeah i suppose this gets back and, we, and the scottish referendum one of the things that did come up in the actual debate when, when, I, when i was getting to the wire was what will happen the day after what will happen the week after mm-hmm. what, what will the transition be like yeah. and and this got me thinking because we when we're talking there's a lot of talk at the moment about the transition arrangements for brexit for mm-hmm. how customs are going to work how yep. how insulin how medical supply is going to work mm-hmm. um what's going to happen with certain European regulations will yep. will people still be able to see European food safety regulations on food if the if the if they aren't also the British regulations can people still insist and there's lots of things people just did not think about a while mm-hmm. ago and this is say and let us say as we know his, as as the eighth referendum has shown us history yeah. can move very quickly if yep. there's going to be a night around in 2020 this is the key thing it's uh, it hasn't been thought about and that it it has a lot in common with Brexit in that sense because a united Ireland sounds like a simple idea but it's actually very complicated. There's a, a lot of questions like, okay, so for example, uh, does Stormont persist as like a kind of regional parliament? Yeah. There's an argument for that in that if there were to be a united Ireland, you would have a new minority uh, which would be, you know, the, the, the unionist pe- people who have a different nationality and perhaps culture and might need special protection because they would be massively outnumbered, you yeah. know, in a United Ireland. So then perhaps they might need some sort of political voice or representation to to kind of account for that uh, and to make sure that the, the mistakes of the past, frankly, are not made again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's there's questions like that, but like, you know, the questions are enormous. So um, one of the other things that's being talked about at the moment, one of the signs of change is that people are actually looking into these things. Yeah. And there's been more sort of economists looking into the question and saying, hmm, how could this work out than there has been before, basically. We just didn't have this info. But there's been a series of economists who have looked into this. And what you can conclude is basically it all depends on the type of United Ireland. Just, just as it depends on the type of Brexit that you get, the economic outcome depends. So it depends on questions like, for example, all those public sector workers in Northern Ireland who have been paying into their pension for all those years, you know, yeah. uh, do they do they get paid that pension pot from, you know, like the, the Treasury, the UK Treasury? Yeah. Or does Dublin have to take over those liabilities? Like what what kind of liabilities continue um and and which which are which are left behind? And the the outcome of all those unresolved questions decides the how how economically sort of easy or difficult it is. Um this, yeah. This is one of the things we know that there's thousands of people in Ireland who declare their taxes in Ireland who declare a a, a British state pension or a British public sector pension. People retire, they move here. We already have thousands of people living in the public and like if someone has been working in the in for the the British civil service all their lives or or for a local authority all their lives, why wouldn't and and they they decided to move to Donegal the day yeah. after Brexit, they'd still be getting a Brit, this British pension. Why not just have that that way? And we were told for years that the, the idea that um, that Northern Ireland was just a huge expense on the British taxpayer, and that if unification would cost the Republic um, a huge amount. But the next thing is the chunk of tax that goes towards the military. Is one of the other things, and then, yeah. but you said that you, there's different people who have different opinions on what this actually might well, be. Well, it, it just it just depends on the circumstances mm-hmm. of the uh, of the kind of deal with Britain, just like yeah. just like Brexit. So it depends on the atmosphere of cooperation and collaboration, and uh, whether it's all agreed happily and that kind of thing. The outcome of the negotiations, 
frankly, the issue of United Ireland has gotten attention in the EU in the way that it hasn't really done before, partly because of the Kenny clause, the thing that Enda Kenny got into the um, the very early stages of the Brexit negotiation, which was, is there if there ever is a United Ireland, it's automatically in the EU. It doesn't need to apply for membership, which is yeah. very key. Um, so, but because of that and other reasons and Brexit in general, people are talking about this in the rest of the EU and in Brussels in a way that they weren't before and they're kind of aware of it. And as newcomers, perhaps, to this whole situation, the the idea of a small island having sort of one political jurisdiction rather than two and having two of every system mm. has a certain logic to those newcomers. So you will hear it often from French people or German people or yeah. Dutch people, th- those who I speak to, like, wouldn't the United Ireland fix this whole Brexit situation? Wouldn't that take away a lot of complications? So... I think given that sort of attitude in that context and the frankly how small uh, Northern Ireland is and Ireland in general in the in the European context, I think we could probably count on European support and help uh, for stuff like, you know, peace building projects, that kind of thing. So there's a bit of a money tap from London that has been going on. It's very important to remember the EU money tap that there is as well. Mm. Um, but just just to run through some of the figures so that people are aware of how things stand in terms yes. of public opinion. Will okay. I will I kind of lay it out? Yeah, drop it drop it on me. I'll drop it. Okay, so like in terms of uh the the Republic side of things, uh it's this this sort of uh canard that everybody accepts is that Northern Ireland is massively expensive, right? But that might not necessarily even be an obstacle, even if it were to work out that way, because uh according to a, a survey last year United Ireland still has 60% support in the Republic, even if it costs 9 billion euro a year, which hmm. is incredible. Um, okay. Yeah. And 9 billion being, I guess the figure was was, was arrived at in the context of... Um, a previous study, which yeah. I can't remember mm-hmm. exactly. Um, just to illustrate how Brexit affects this debate, and if, if, the, if the deal that Theresa May managed to negotiate with the EU was passed you get a 30% support for United Ireland that's rock solid and an 18% maybe. So it has a very slight majority. If, um, or it's pretty much 50-50 actually, to be more fair, it's pretty much 50-50 between uh, remaining in the UK and United Ireland. If there's no Brexit at all, it's just no question. There's a there's a, like a large majority support for staying in the UK yeah. in that circumstance. If there's a no deal, totally changed. There is a decisive United Ireland majority um, and it's, it's a solid block of 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 about forty eight percent in favor compared to a good ten points below that for the UK. Mm-hmm. So it's really decisive depending on how Brexit actually turns out. Um, but like we say, there's this massive like issues that need to be dealt with, like fears of the unionist community, which are quite legitimate, like things like would if 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 United Ireland happened, would there suddenly be all this prosecution of issues from the troubles? They're very worried about that, that there would be mm-hmm. some kind of uh, retribution that would happen. Yeah. And also, would their identity continue to to exist? Could it be sort of squashed out by this huge new sort of Irish identity identifying majority? Would that would they be protected in that way? I can imagine how upset everyone will be if we were all told we're going to get a bank holiday day off the 12th. 
Can you imagine but how obsessed people would be if we had an extra bank holiday? Well, <laughs> that's a good one, yeah. More bank holidays. Bank holidays for all. Yay! Um, but yeah, no, there are contentious issues. Like another one is the use of Irish, for example. At the mm-hmm. moment here, Irish has special status and for some jobs you have to have Irish. Now that becomes very difficult to sustain if you suddenly absorb a huge mass of British citizen, citizens who haven't had the opportunity to learn Irish and don't have it as part of their sort of cultural background. Yeah. You can't discriminate against them. So then the things like the status of Irish in certain contexts and the requirement to have it, that needs to be reconsidered. And some of these issues are very contentious. It's, it's not. It's, they're not going to be easily resolved. What happens to the flag? Do we keep the same flag or do we try to include, you know, our new uh, citizens in, in another, in a new flag of some kind? And the people have very passionate opinions on that yes because you know the tricolor is associated just with the ira by many people in the north so yes in spite of what the three in spite of what the of three colors exactly, specifically mean and that's, sadly and ironically mm-hmm. even though it means the green and the orange and peace between them that mm-hmm. that is actually the current association that people have some people yeah um but um there are just to kind of explain why why people's views change so dramatically depending on the kind of Brexit is because there were huge things at stake for the people of Northern Ireland in Brexit. Apart from the huge economic fallout which we know about already, it's already a small territory and both of its main, like, you know, its it's immediate markets that are around it are at risk in in case of whatever happens, you know, if Brexit happens, you know, there is disruption to either Britain or or, or cross-border trade. So that's a huge issue. And then um, there's... Things for all the Irish citizens that live in Northern Ireland that they currently have that they might not have in the future. It's just un- it's just unknown. These yeah. things like the ability to go to any university in the EU and pay EU local fees, for example, not decided. Uh, whether you can still do Erasmus, whether you have the European Health Insurance Card, whether you have recourse to the European Court of Justice. Uh, these things are not unimportant these are absolutely crucial if you remember the outbreak of the troubles in Derry um, in the late 60s part of the key reasons that w- that that brought the civil rights movement um, it kind of into fruition was over the future of children it was the, the lack of access to opportunity and education that actually brought people out on the streets the sort of you know the teachers were were absolutely key to that to the development of that and the fact the university was put to color rain instead of indeed exactly Mm. yeah that very unjust decision and speaking of of darian you and i were looking at a map of ireland before we started recording yeah we did and one of the things you notice is and people could talk about say there's the problems of there's problems with rural ireland the problem Mm -hmm. this problem was with dublin as we all know with housing costs and other and homelessness and other sorts of social problems yeah there is a situation where if you ignore the border for a moment, you just look at the island and you look at the northwest corner from Derry down to Athlone towards Galway. Yeah. And this kind of chunk, this is a chunk of Ireland that has two airports, two universities, several kind of significant companies, um, some decent sized towns and housing for under a hundred grand, uh, decent housing for under a hundred grand. If 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 these this area is controlled by a single guess, political mind or that some of these, some of these bodies were were organized for the benefit of their area that yeah. you could solve a lot of our national problems with just the actual the amount of um resources that already exist in this place that just are haven't been haven't been run 
by people who are concerned with the local area. You're quite right. There is a level of disruption which the very fact of the border creates and those two political jurisdictions creates, which means all along the border areas on both sides is sort of rendered peripheral and suffers from economic decline and lack of investment and that kind of thing. And you're right, if considered as a northwest zone, uh, this is the most deprived part of Ireland if we look at it economically in terms of people's incomes and that kind of thing. Um, it could, it has so much potential mm. and with the right kind of investment and the right put together plan, which isn't based on, uh, you know, con- on, on partition, basically, yeah. then there is enormous potential for that, for that corner of the island. You're quite right. I think we'll leave it there. I will definitely be visiting this topic again because it is exciting and it's interesting and it is something that um, people have strong views on. And the world can change in the blink of an eye. No, Mary, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Dar. from Naomi's perspective but also to hear it from I mean things have moved on since then I mean we're still talking about Brexit um, and we're still not sure what's going to happen um, and it's really interesting to see it even how things in Northern Ireland have progressed I mean things have gotten you know the spotlight has been shined in Northern Ireland for both positive and negative reasons uh, positive being the unbelievable success of Derry Girls and yeah. how that's shined an unbelievable light and a positive light in Northern Ireland where normally it doesn't get a light for anything except something negative and it's 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 just been such a, a groundbreaking show and then also the really tragic killing of uh, Leroy McKee um, just a couple of weeks ago um, in Northern Ireland in Derry and how this has just changed the the. I mean, this this is the throwback, effectively, to things that went on, you mm. know, before my time. I I was born in 1992. I don't really remember terrorism in Northern Ireland. I I remember being a teenager and reading a book where the character in the book was leaving the uh, the twin towers at 9/11. So that the, the premise was they were le- they were in, caught up in that. And I remember the person, the character, in their head saying terrorism is something that happens in Northern Ireland and that was the first time as a teenager that I was like wait terrorism ha- I thought we just had troubles and yeah. that was my interaction with it because I don't remember it so it's just so bizarre to be back there and to be back having that discussion about the validity of Good Friday and all of that and it's just such a bizarre place to be in It really is and it's just, it is something tragic particularly when you think someone like Lyra who, who was such a promising and talented writer was, was listed in the, in the 30 under 30 just last year and this this is something that should have been just a memory of her childhood the idea that say she would have been a small child when the Good Friday Agreement was signed mm-hmm. and just even in, in that scene in, in the end of Jerry Girls and I remember um, I remember when when Bill Clinton came to to Northern Ireland and was, was speaking and the idea that, that this was finally going to change and the amount of progress has been made since then. The amount of people, um, I, Derry Girls is very special to me because the main character is called Erin and growing up in Northern Ireland in the 90s. Uh, my wife is called Erin and grew up in Northern Ireland in the 90s and I mean, it's great that people much younger than us get so much out of it because they relate to how teenagers are. People my age think this is exactly what, you know, my adolescence was like. And just the, the amount of things that were going through, and that that last scene, just talking about how it's a, 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 kind of a, a young, confident city with so much going on, yeah. and there's there's really like um, politics. I mean, it's it's something we shouldn't it should, that shouldn't be that interesting. It shouldn't be that engaging. It certainly yeah. should never. We'd like to think in a well-run in a country that's where things are 
are going right. It should never be something worth killing for or dying for. And these things shouldn't even actually come up. Exactly. It should be something, a niche interest for boring people. And it's so suddenly your identity and who you are becomes central to it. And your identity in terms of of where you your allegiance is beyond Brexit, you know, are you remain, are you leave? And then in Northern Ireland, you know, where do you identify? Do you are you unionist or Republican suddenly becomes so central? And it's always been, you know, it's always been there, but but probably less so. Um, And it's just it's become weaponized for so long and it's becoming weaponized again. And it's just so frightening to see that. And then you see this discussion of, of United Ireland, which for the first time, feels like it might it's not a pipe dream anymore it is something that does make a lot of sense um and so you know that these these discussions are being had again and this this idea of but I, something i thought that naomi said that was really interesting was this group of people that are now suddenly they're not irish or they're not english or you know british they're northern irish they're this group in the middle that i just think is so interesting that that group has developed and, you know, what are what are their hopes for it? And I know, you know, Naomi's quoted statistics, but um, it's really interesting to see that development. Whereas, I don't know, 30 years ago, less than 30 years ago in Northern Ireland, had you asked people, I'd imagine that 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 group would have been a lot smaller. It would. And it's a it's a funny one. I know Gary Lightbody from Snow Patrol gets a lot of slaggings. And because yeah. um, when he plays in Scotland, he's like, yeah, it's great to be back for the home for the home team. You know, because obviously they formed in Edinburgh. Snow Patrol formed in Edinburgh. Gets slaggings anyway. He's in London. He says, it's great to be back home in London. He's in, <laughs> in Dublin. It's like, yeah, the Ireland, the home crowd. And he's in Belfast. Yes, this is the home crowd. And <laughs> technically, they're all slightly true. Yeah. And they're all, but at the same time, it's a, um, it's a, compl- he didn't, um, it's a complicated having, have an identity where you grow up in a, in middle class Belfast, they go to uh, Campbell College, I think it was, and then go to university in Edinburgh, work, work in, in the, in the London music scene and have some relationship with Dublin. You probably do feel partial identity with all those places. Yeah, exactly. And he was being interviewed by Mark Crothers a while back and he was asked about, you know, the United Ireland and he just wants to sing songs about chasing cars <laughs> and chocolate. And he said, well, maybe before United Ireland we could have a United Northern Ireland. Yeah, and I think that's probably the main, that's so lovely, like that's probably the main thing that I think is important. Like, I mean, secession isn't new. There's, I mean, we have this idea that borders are static and we've always been the way we've always been, but that's not the case at all. I mean, Kosovo's only a state since 1999. That's the most, re- uh, South Sudan um, is, is a pretty recent state. You know, borders change constantly. Um, so it isn't, you know, there's all of these issues around, you know, administration. What would you do if if Northern Ireland became part of, of, of the Republic of Ireland? But it's not necessarily, th- those those hurdles can be jumped. But like you said, and like Gary Lightbody is saying, mm-hmm. the bigger question is, are you going to unite the people first? And how do you do that? How do you bring back, I mean, there's a fracture that's happened. And I mean, that fracture is arguably not being helped by the politics that um, are currently representing Northern Ireland. Um, and a lot of things need to be done in terms of rights in Northern Ireland. People are being left behind again by, and I include ourselves in that as well, because we're not doing, I mean, I know, okay, we don't have legislative power over Northern Ireland, but we still have a vested interest in the people of Northern Ireland. And yet again, people in the Republic of Ireland have forgotten Northern Ireland and people in mainland Britain have forgotten Northern Ireland. And it's terribly sad. Um, I mean, these are the people who will suffer most from Brexit. 
this is obviously a topic that will probably pop up again. We are going to have some more more Northern Irish voices. Um, it's um, it's something we've been, been consistently trying to do. I've been con- constantly trying to get my wife on the show. <laughs> she won't. She's too shy. But we know that the, the podcast and the Twitter accounts have a substantial Northern Irish following from a political and social spectrum. This is something that will will be continuing to go on. But the, I guess the most important thing is that um, no, there's no, there's no one most important thing. Is if something like this does come on the agenda, that it's not that it's not going to be necessarily triumphant or smug, yeah. But so much as we actually get to talk about if we were going to start the republic all over again without making those mistakes, what would we do different? Yeah. Have those kinds of conversations and maybe talk about what a second republic might actually look like. Yes. Yeah. Before we invent it, let's imagine it. On that final note, I'm going to finish with this last thought. Human beings suffer; they torture one another. They get hurt and get hard. No poem or play or song can fully right a wrong inflicted and endured. History says, don't hope on this side of the grave. But then, once in a lifetime, the longed-for tidal wave of justice can rise up, and hope and history rhyme. So hope for a great sea change on the far side of revenge. Believe that a farther shore is reachable from here. Believe in miracles and cures and healing wells. Call miracles self-healing, the utter self-revealing double-take of feeling. If there's fire on the mountain and lightning and storm and a god speaks from the sky, that means someone is hearing the outcry and the birth cry of new life at its term. It means once in a lifetime that justice can rise up and hope and history rhyme. Motherfucker comes out on Fridays on the Headstuff Podcast Network, so be sure to subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. And did you have something to say before? We no, sorry, oh. I didn't. I, I zoned out there. Sorry.